Hi, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will, and let's talk about a topic that will probably split your church. Hopefully not, but this does seem to be an issue in churches. So, obviously the biblical role of a pastor is extremely important. The pastor plays a very prominent role in the church, so we need to make sure we're talking very specifically on what the Bible says about it. But the issue is that many people leave churches, many people run away from churches, or get upset with churches, or even churches split because of the pastor. Now, I'm not saying that all of those are unjustified, I'm not saying all of them are justified, but this is just simply the reality. So we need to face the reality of and ask the very simple question of what is the biblical role of a pastor? And many churches struggle with this, and many of them have a very different idea of what a pastor should be. Many of them think, you know, the pastor is supposed to teach various doctrines, preach the gospel, perform different rites of passages like weddings, funerals, and other formal events. Uh, he's the visionary of the church, the one who goes, all right, this is how we're going to grow, this is how we're going to build, and kind of the project manager of the church. Also being the good networker of the community, having all the contacts, and being able to do all the things and maybe even the guy who cleans the church mows mows the lawn and does you know all the stuff around the building and so many people have a very weird and different ideas of what a pastor should be um, and although these aren't bad ideas necessarily, we have to ask, is it the biblical role? And are those expectations that you're holding your pastor to done on, under the biblical office and not what you think or what our culture has affected? And what's funny is that a lot of churches have really pushed this idea of you know not allowing worldliness into the church and we can't do x y and z because of worldliness don't let this part of the culture in and it's oddly enough that we kind of have made pastors kind of like our ceos of a company who administrates everything and he's kind of the man and it's just odd because you know we think of him almost as the ceo who runs the day-to-day operations of the church and maybe not exactly what the bible says the church the pastor i mean should do so we have, we obviously have God's word, and that's the authority. And the, and God's word is really where we can pull from on this. And it's funny because the Bible actually lays a pretty good idea of what God expects from pastors. So before I get rolling, obviously the term pastor is just the word that we use, uh, but the Bible, well, that we use a lot of churches use. Some of them use other words as well, but. The Bible refers to them, depending on your translation, as overseers or bishops and things along that nature. But pastor we use, I think we hear more commonly or most commonly here. But pastor is just Latin for shepherd. And what's fun is that the Bible actually does refer to leaders sometimes as shepherds. Jeremiah 3.15 says, And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So it's not necessarily a far-fetched thing, but I think sometimes people can get too wrapped up in the terminology there. You know, whatever you call your church guy is who we're talking about, okay? So first off, let's talk about the requirements for the pastor. And I think these are the things we hear, hear the most, and these are what people can get really tripped up on. So 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7, is where a very popular passage where we hear this. So 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 says... The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? 
He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So, there's a lot there to unpack, but first I want to go through Titus 2, because uh, these are letters from Paul to Timothy, and and now he also writes Titus. Titus 1, 5 through 9 says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. So these are some pretty high standards, I would say, and, and many people agree. But what's funny here is if we actually remove overseer. Let's just go to back to Timothy for a second. And you don't have to follow along. I'm just going to read this out, out loud. So if we remove, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer and all that, and therefore an overseer must be, let's just eliminate overseer for a second and go, you must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, must manage your own household well. Do these things that sound exclusively pastoral to you? I mean, they, they don't to me. This is something like all of us Christians are really called to. This We're all called to this separated life, and we all ought to be reflecting these things. So it's funny when people go, well, the pastor is held to this higher standard. And well, kind of, but we all should be able to say that, you know, we're not quarrelsome. We're able to teach one another, that we're sober-minded and self-controlled, that we're respectable and gentle. We should all be able to say this, that, this and that we keep our household and manage it well. Um, so with that being said, we ought to be careful at what standard we're holding our pastor to. Our pastor should definitely hold up to this. And also, I, I like how it mentions that how can he manage his own household? How can he manage the church if he can't manage the household? So he is supposed to be the manager, right? He is the one kind of ahead of things. And then not a lover of money, which, man, we could use a little bit more of that nowadays, couldn't we? I mean, we have people who are going into ministry and just preaching a, a false gospel just for the sake of money and you know I'll say one thing <laughs> I don't make a lot of money as a pastor in fact very very little and that's fine I'm not in it for the money that's not the point of any of this the point is that the person has to be able to teach um, also not quarrelsome if your pastor is constantly trying to cause fights and you you know quarrelsome people you know who they are and it's different being quarrelsome is also different than speaking truth because speaking truth can cause conflict so you have to be careful with that too um, so, and then he also says he shouldn't be a recent convert. And he said, and now the question is, well, why not? He said, is because he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. So in other words, if you put this new convert up and give him all this authority, suddenly he might become prideful in that. Like, wow, wow. Yeah. I converted. Now look at me. Yeah, no. Yeah. That, that's 
you know, this needs to be a position for someone who is seasoned, who has been of the faith for a little while, and I think there needs to be some discretion there. It doesn't give a timeline, just says not a recent convert, so I think you can use some discretion there. And then he writes to Titus, telling him that when he appointed these elders that they were above reproach, which means to be blameless, which means, you know, so not like someone could easily take pot shots at your character. Uh, also the husband of one wife, so they're not, you know, married to six different women. Uh, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery and ins or insubordination. So, you know, again, kind of repeating what he told Timothy, that they, he can have what good charge over his house. And then he says that he must be a good steward and not arrogant or quick-tempered. And this is extremely important. This is, of course, important for all Christians. But as a pastor, I've seen many other pastors. I've been under their tutelage. There's a word. I've been under their tutelage, under their leadership. I have experienced quick-tempered and arrogant pastors before. And they're oftentimes the one that give Christianity this terrible name uh, that a lot of people go like, I had this terrible experience at the church. And then they explain to me a quick-tempered and arrogant pastor. And it's, yeah, that's not what we're, they're, they're supposed to be. And so there's some famous people that are like this as well, well-known uh, pastors. I'm not gonna mention any by name today, maybe at another time, but many you've probably seen or heard of. And if they are quick-tempered or arrogant, then they are not holding up to these requirements. Uh, not violent or greedy. <laughs> yeah, don't be violent as a pastor. So apparently I can't kneecap. Brian, I can't kneecap people in the congregation. Well, yeah, when someone talks that one time, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. They shouldn't have talked in church. I warned him. Anyway, uh, so, and it says he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine. So here we see, what is he supposed to be doing? He's supposed to be held upright and above reproach, and then he must be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. So there we see he's supposed to be able to teach. And if he hears someone that teaches us an opposite gospel or isn't truthful or is not standing outside of, of scripture, he is to rebuke to those who contradict the sound doctrine. So that's something to keep in mind as well. He must be able to do that. Which is also probably why you shouldn't have a recent convert, because some of these things might be something that a recent convert isn't as well versed in knowledge. So anyway, we have to be sure that when discussing our pastors, that these are the requirements that they fit in. So if you're on a pulpit search committee or you're kind of finding looking for a pastor, these are the th what you're supposed to be looking for in a pastor. Many people have this very fantasy idea of what a pastor should be and how they should conduct themselves and or their own personal beliefs of what they think the pastor should be. And honestly, as a pastor, I've been kind of a victim of this a few times where somebody has an idea of what the pastor should be and they hold me to their idea and their expectation and suddenly it I don't live up to that expectation and they become angry and bitter or things explode to some degree or the other or that or they just don't like it like oh he's not a good pastor well no it's not that it's the fact that these are the requirements and you have your own ideal of what the pastor should be a pastor is not accountable and this is something that you and every member of the church, all of us need to remember that a pastor is not held accountable to what you prefer from a pastor. It's not what you like as a, in a pastor. It's not what you think a pastor should do, but what the Bible says that the pastor should do. So we, are, we really have to make sure we're, we're narrowing this down properly because I, I've, been, I've been told by people before, I have an almost impossible uh, expectation for pastors. They must be above reproach in every single way. And, you know, I don't want, they should be doing this. And I don't think this is wise and this and this and this. And they, they list all these different things. And what's funny is if I lived up to their expectations, 
And let's say I do. I, I, you know, I was like, all right, I'll give up all my Christian liberty and I'll go follow what this person wants me to do. Then what ends up happening is that these people over here who have the opposite expectations of their pastor are going to be alienated and I'm going to anger them. And then if I do what they want, I'm going to anger them. And that's why it's not about being held up to their expectations. It's God's expectations. My expectation is from the Lord and so should every one of your pastors. So it's not about what you think the pastor should be, not what you prefer in a pastor, but does he hold those requirements? and then allow your pastor to operate in the way that God has created him to. I mean, I know pastors that are very different than me uh, and just in personality alone. Like I'm at church, I tend to be pretty lighthearted and all these things. And I like to kind of crack a lot of jokes, but at the same time, talk about these deeper issues sometimes. And other churches I've been to and man, sometimes pastors really lack personality and you, you know which ones I'm talking about, the dry speaker. Well, it's not, but the thing is some of those people you can get a lot of knowledge from, especially if you start taking notes. Or you might get the pastor who's super hyperactive and you're just, the entire time he's speaking. Well, that, there's nothing wrong with that either. Again, what, what's your expectations of your pastor? Are they biblical? Or are they preferential? And one thing I've learned more and more in ministry, man, preferences can just take a hike, man. It's the preferences that really tend to cause church splits. Well, it's what I what I prefer, what I want, what I like, what my expectations are. Careful, your expectations can kill you. So next, let's talk about the role of a pastor. Let's talk about the role of a pastor. So the idea of a higher standard for a pastor, I believe has really come from this particular verse and people kind of taking this verse and running with it. Notice what this verse says about pastors. James 3.1 says this, not many of you should become teachers, which a pastor we're told should be a teacher. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And this is really appropriate especially since we're talking about the dangers of the tongue. I mean, James 3 is all about the dangers of the tongue. I can't tell you how many times, me with my smart mouth, I had James 3 thrown at me as a teenager. <laughs> it was all the time. In fact, it was kind of a side stories with Pastor Will. But my youth pastor would make us actually write James 3 if we were too snarky or we were venomous or caught gossiping. He would make us write, write this. And one person I know in youth group actually had to write it in Spanish. It was pretty bad. So anyway, James 3 and I became very familiar with one another. And I was not too thrilled with it at the time. But I guess in my older years, I definitely have appreciated it. So not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now here's this thing. This is really appropriate because he's talking about your tongue. So what you're speaking, what you're teaching with your tongue. But the question is real quick, you will be judged with greater strictness. Who's doing the judging in this passage? Well, I can tell you one thing, it's not people, because it, we're not to be man-pleasers, right? But God-pleasers. It's God who will judge us with greater strictness. And I'll be honest with you, that terrifies me more than any person judging what I think. The idea of going, oh man, I have to stand before God one day with every word I say, including these videos. I have to be careful with every word I say, because I need to make sure that I'm teaching sound and good doctrine. And I have to be willing to admit when I'm wrong. And so I have to be careful. I'm going to be held with greater strictness. I'm going to be held to a greater standard. And I think people take this and go, you, and they just see you who teach will be judged with greater strictness, instantly going, aha, so now pastors, you have to do all the things that we want expect from a pastor because you'll be held to a greater strictness. Well, I think that's really being dishonest here. He's talking about teaching. 
So what you're teaching, the teaching is the subject here, what you teach. So be careful there. Every teacher must be careful about, careful about what they are teaching. Are they leading others astray? Is what they say true? Things along that nature. Uh, uh, Brian, he teaches our, our Sunday school here at church and uh, my associate just recently came up here. He moved up from Alabama and he's gonna be teaching our youth group and we all talk about how we wanna make sure everything we say is true. In fact, we'll ask each other, hey, what are your thoughts on this? I read a commentary about this. What are your thoughts? We bounce things off of each other so that way we can make sure that everything we say is true, that God's truth is spoken in all things. And it's something to be very, very careful of. So he also gave pastors uh, to properly equip the body. So one, we're taught to teach and make sure everything we say is true. Now he gave us pastors to properly equip the body. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14 says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and by craftiness in deceitful times. Here in Ephesians, we see, why, why did he give them? Well, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So that way they're not taken to and fro by human cunning. To, so the job of the pastor is to equip and to teach the doctrines. We see that now here very clearly. Your, your pastor ought to be able to teach, aptly teach other people. And that means you ought to be able to teach new converts and you should be able to teach mature converts. And you'll notice that certain pastors are gifted in, in sometimes one way better than another. I tend to be pretty good with new converts, but I, I feel like I do a better job when I'm conversing with people who are well well converted. But I work, I've worked really hard on trying to make sure I'm good at teaching people new converts, really taking time, which is why I think I've really kind of latched onto apologetics and, and actually enjoy doing this sort of thing now. It's, oh, let's help people understand these things. So anyway. Also, your pastor must be a servant leader, as Christ is. And 1 Peter 5, 1-3 says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, Paul, you know, Peter's talking about himself here, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So right here, we see he must be willing to serve others. And this is something that I think some pastors tend to think that you get to just go to church, you get to sit in your office, read your little theology books, and then go speak and, you're, and maybe talk to some people and that's it. But the pastor ought to serve as well. He needs to be serving one another. Um, I've, there's some, a family in my church going through a difficult time. Uh, their child's in the hospital and I mowed their lawn. Why? Because I need to be willing to serve. And sometimes it can be exhausting. But we're told as Christians we ought to serve one another. So if you're, if you're told to do that, then your pastor is held to that same standard. And vice versa. You're held to that same standard as well. It's not just your pastor's job to do all the serving. In fact, your pastor can't do all the serving, just like you can't. It takes the whole body of Christ to do it. And then also he says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. 
This is extremely important because we have a lot of dictator-like pastors, a very authoritarian pastors. You question my authority, you get crushed. You know the types I'm talking about. And it says right here, not domineering over them. You know what that also means is I, I'm taking that, if I'm not dominating over them, it means I'm respecting them. I'm letting them make some of their own choices. I, you know, I respect the, the doctrine of, soul, of individual soul liberty. I'm not domineering over them as my flock. I'm being an example to my flock. I have to be careful with that. I have to make sure I'm being cautious, and but being the example. Guys, this is how you operate in various different manners. This is how your marriage should reflect. This is how your home should reflect. Your pastor ought to be a good example. Also, uh, your pastor is also, the, is also the authority in the church, but the authority must first be rooted in scripture. Remember, not domineering. But he's still an authority figure. No, and here I'd like to plug in the idea of no pastor worship. I call it pastoral worship. It's basically when, well, pastor says, and then they just keep it at that. Uh, when, I, when I was in Bible college, I heard this all the time. Well, pastor says this. And I'm like, yeah, but that wasn't what the Bible says here. And then it caused a lot of spats because I realized that people were holding the pastor's words to the same level as scripture, which is God's words. And here's the thing. If your pastor's words line up with God's word, then you can go, yes, the Bible says, and the pastor said this, and we, he said, and in the Bible we see this. But if you're just going, pastor says this, well, where's that in the Bible? I don't know, or it's not there, but I, this is what he thinks. Well, then you should probably back up a little bit and start going, well, wait a minute, is that really what the Bible says? And if that's not what the Bible says, then I shouldn't be holding him like he's like the authority of my life. He's not the dictator of your life, you know? We're held to God's expectations, not man's. But your pastor's words should line up with God's word. But he is still your leader. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For what for that would be of no advantage to you. <laughs> the writer of Hebrews cracks me up in the, with this verse. So uh, obviously submitting and humbling yourself to them. And remember, this is when the leaders are held to the proper requirements of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus that we already talked about. So within these requirements, so those are your leaders. All right, submit to them, humble yourself before them, respect what they say. Uh, and because keep in mind, sometimes your pastor knows certain things even in the church. Like if you're going up like, well, pastor, I've actually had this happen before, where, well, pastor, I found out so-and-so does X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Are you praying for them? Well, I thought you should know. I'm like, well, it, sounds, it feels more like gossip right now than that, but by the way, I am aware of the issue and it's being handled. But what's funny is that some of those issues that are being brought up are things that they don't even know the full picture of. So be careful what you're listening to and listen to some of the words of your pastor, submit to them, honor them. And, you know, I can definitely say growing up, I, it's funny because growing up, um, uh, you know, I, I was a typical teenager, thought I knew everything. But I realize now that how great of a pastor I had in my church growing up. He was a great pastor and he did very good at doing a lot of this stuff. Um, 
But right here he says, for they're keeping watch over your souls. In other words, they care for you. They, they, they care for your souls. They care about your heart and they want to, they want the best for you. And that pastor, that leader is going to have to give an account of his church or, and of his leadership to God. And he says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. So in other words, you want your pastor going through, let me tell you about my church. My church people are awesome. This person has done this. Look at where they're at now. And just giving an account of joy, not with, oh my goodness, my church. Let me tell you about my church. And that's what's funny is uh, I've heard a lot of, I don't go to like community pastor meetings. I just, I don't have time for that anyway, uh, honestly. But I've heard a lot of those those meetings can turn into pastors just groaning about their church. And you know, some people like say that reflects on the heart of the pastor, which maybe it does. But sometimes I can reflect on the heart of the people of the church too, right? Like let's let's make sure we're keeping realistic expectations on both ends here. So make sure that you know you're not grieving your pastor, and that you're actually you know you're being of good service and building up in the church. But anyway, also, so he yes he's the authority, but also this authority is coupled with great responsibility. Acts twenty twenty eight says this. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So when he says pay careful attention to your to yourselves, and he goes, because, and to all the flock, and you know, he's made you overseers, he's made you pastors of your, you are these leaders in the church, care for the church of God because he bought it with his own blood. So this is a humbling thought for pastors. This is why that, that authoritarian view of pastors is so disgusting to me because guys, he bought it with his own blood. Who are you to sit there and just push everyone down with your thumb? You know, respect the doctrines that God teaches here. And so I, I think there's two major dangers that was not intended to rhyme, but major dangers. I should have made that a point in here, but it's not. But I think two issues is one, people holding pastors to very unrealistic expectations and personal preferences. You know, this is what I want a pastor. These are the expectations I have for a pastor. If they don't live up to these, I'm leaving the church. I'm finding a new one. And a lot of those types of people, they end up bouncing church to church to church every couple of years because they're never satisfied because they're holding people up to their own expectations, crushing themselves under it. Then there's also the, or if they do find a church that's like that, you know, still you're not holding up to the, to, God's standard, you hold them to your own, and then you're probably going to the church for the wrong reasons anyway. And then over here, you have the, you have the, there's two different really pastor types of pastors that can be really negative. The authoritarian pastor, of course, who's all crushing them under their thumb, and I'm the man in charge. And then you have the other guy who's all, who's very lax and just doesn't care, and he's not caring for that, the church of God. He's not caring that God bought him with his own blood. They're just, ah, who cares? No, it's neither one of those things. And I guess there's a third pastor, which is the prosperity gospel pastor, which is just, God wants you to be wealthy, which is not in the Bible. In fact, very much the opposite. So anyway, in conclusion here, pastors, elders, and bishops, whatever you want to call them, are to meet those requirements as mentioned before. But here's the thing, a lot of those requirements, you're also held to. So make sure that if you're gonna be preaching at your pastor, clean up your backyard first. And I say that in general, worry about your sin first and you'll find you have a lot less time to worry about other people's sin, right? However, pastors and elders, you need to be careful for what you say because what you say will be held to a higher standard by God. So here are some basic tips. I just wanted to have some practical tips in here because why not? If you put your pastor on a pedestal and you, ah, there he is. 
to set yourself, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. If you set him on a pedestal, you're setting yourself for disappointment because it places your faith in the person, not in Christ. People are fa failable. We're going to fail you. I, as a pastor, have failed a few times and I've had to apologize to actual church members and ask for their forgiveness, which is a humbling moment. Like, hey, I messed up on that. Hey, I made a poor judgment call on that. Can you forgive me? So don't put your faith in the pastor. Put it in Christ. Don't put your pastor on a pedestal. He's going he's gonna to disappoint you from time to time. No pastor is perfect. And I don't think any pastor claims to be perfect. And here's the other thing. So instead of critiquing your pastor, try to pray for him. So you know what I'm talking about. On your way back home from church, you start bickering about all the things that the pastor's doing that you don't agree with, you don't like this, you don't like that, and you're pouting, you're, you're, you're festering over it. I know, because I used to drive home from church, not the pastor, and complain about different pastors. But instead of critiquing them, how will we pray for them? You know, more and more, I start seeing like, I really, man, uh, I don't know about that. I'm going to pray for that person. And, uh, you know, and we're told to never, to just pray always for one another. And the other, the other tip I have here is if you have an issue at all with your pastor, go to him. Talk to him. There might be more to something that you don't know. Um, I've had people with half-baked information explode on me and be like, and this, and, I heard, and this, and this, and this. I'm like, where'd you find this information? And they go, well, so-and-so told me that. I don't remember with this, but this. And I'm like, you have only half information. Then I have to like explain to them the real situation, at least to some degree. And they go, oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, and you're coming, with, you're coming and attacking me instead of coming and talking to me. And there, there's a, a family in my church, every time they hear something weird, they, Pastor, can I talk with you in my office? And I'm never worried with these two people because they're going to sit me down in my office and they're just going to ask me what happened. And that's good. Matthew 18, which one day I'm going to do a video on, on this channel, on a thorough teaching of Matthew 18. But if you have an issue at all with your pastor, go speak with him in private and speak with him calmly. And if you, because here's the thing, if you explode uh, if, and if you're just yelling and screaming at your pastor, he's going to have to follow Romans, which is mark those who cause divisions and avoid them. I, I will not. And I've mentioned this many times. I don't actually, personally, I don't tolerate that. I, I won't. Like we, that no one should be treated that way in the church, no matter who it is. Uh, everything should be done with dignity and respect. And here's the thing, when you're going to remember the authority, the humbling yourself, be willing to listen to him because there may be things you don't know. And not saying that that's always the case. You might completely have every right to be angry at a pastor. I have, and you know, I've actually had to get authorities involved before in a, in a church issue before. But use your discretion and, and take time to be wise in your steps before you do it. And of course, definitely to follow also in Matthew 18, be quick to forgive. Pastors are fallible, as mentioned before, just like you are. And he's usually trying his absolute best to balance many things. He's trying to balance people over here and their thoughts and balance people over here in these situations. And he's usually trying to figure that out. So be quick to forgive him and, or, and forgive one another in general. And in an effort to help someone else, remember, in an effort to help someone else, he might hurt, hurt another. And that just sometimes happens. And I'm sure you can think of that. You've tried to help somebody over here, but you ended up hurting somebody over here and vice versa. So be careful and be also willing to forgive. And I can't, help, I can't stress that enough. So, and then last but not least is offer to help your pastor. Many people expect their pastors to do almost everything at church. Uh, this is both unrealistic, unbiblical, 
and is actually robbing you of others, you and others, of being a blessing to your pastor. You know, pastors need help and support, and it means a lot when you just are there at church, like, you know, people seeing them at church. I, I, that encourages your pastor, but more help him. Hey, pastor, is there anything I can help you with? Volunteer for things. Be there. This will, and here's the thing. With this mentality, this balance of the pastoral leadership with, you know, everyone else and him living to those requirements, but at the same time showing love and dignity and, and good authority and leadership, and then you showing, you know, humility and all those things, but also being willing to talk to your pastor and forgive him and then help and serve one another as he's supposed to help and serve you, you'll find that this will dictate whether your church is healthy or not. So... A church that really execute the, executes this, I believe, can be a, one, the healthiest church that you can ever hope to attend, one that really balances these things. So that's what you should be seeking for in a pastor, not not what you, get those little cultural things out of your head. Doesn't mean he has to be a great CEO, okay? Uh, some pastors are pretty garbage at that. You know, you don't, some pastors don't want, don't want touch money. I know a pastor who's like, I don't want, no. I have a treasurer who's great with that. I'm going to stick that with him. That's fine. Don't have those ideas of a pastor. Only the things that the Bible speaks of and have those expectations. And then also in the reverse, always be asking how you can be of help. And <laughs> it's not what you can do for the, don't ask what the church could do for you. Ask what you, what you can do for the church. I, I butchered that, butchered that, destroyed it. That was bad. That was rough. Anyway. So anyhow, guys, I hope you enjoyed the video. That's the conclusion of our little study of pastoral roles in the church. I, go ahead and feel free to like and subscribe. I would love to hear your thoughts in the comments below. Please like and subscribe to the, this channel. Uh, it really helps people get the word out of this channel if you like what we do here. Also, follow us on all social media. And again, this is Will, and this has been The Church Split.